Good evening and welcome to Matters of Life. I'm John Lucier, and thank you all for joining me this evening so we can all get together and learn more about what the Lord's requiring of us at this time, how to stand for righteousness, the Lord's righteousness, and His justice here on the earth. So this evening we're going to discuss our relationship with the Lord, because it's our relationship that the Lord that determines our outcome. And we're going to look at this from a, a very, if you will, volatile period of time in Scripture. And yes, you, anyone could argue there are many of those periods of time. But we're going to look at it from Second Chronicles chapter 16, which you can also find the other side of that, if you will. In 1 Kings, begins in chapter 15. But there are some very important things that we have to understand here. Now, a little bit of background. We're starting with, at this time now, King Asa. And he has become king and has, by all accounts... The Lord's account, he said he was, he served like his father David, talking about King David. However, there, there were still some issues, and this is what we're going to start with. So it's not perfect. Now, let's also not forget that we are people. There was one perfect one. That was Jesus the Christ, our spotless lamb who took away the sins of the world and redeemed us from death, sin, and the curse. Let's also understand some things about what's required of us at this time. So in verse 7, it says, of Second Chronicles chapter 16, it says, At that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa the king in Judah and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Aram and have not relied on the Lord your God, Therefore, the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubim an immense army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them to your hand. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him for this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. Now the acts of Asa, from the first to the last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah. Um, excuse me. Uh, they're written, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the thirty-ninth year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet. His disease was severe, yet even in his disease he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. So Asa slept with his fathers, having died in the forty-first year of his reign, and they buried him in his own tomb, which he had cut out for himself in the city of David. And they laid him in the resting place which he had filled with spices and various, of various kinds, blended by the perfumer's art. And they made a great fire for him. 
So there's a couple of key things in there. One is the Asa, first, as we read, imprisoned a prophet, Hanani, which is significant. Why did he imprison him? Because he spoke the word, or he spoke the word of the Lord, but it was providing reproof and correction. Now, up to that point, Asa had lived a, a life who his heart was towards the Lord. It says in 1 Kings 15 that Asa did what was right in the sight of the Lord, like David his father. He also put away the male cult prostitutes from the land and removed all the idols which his fathers had made. He also removed even his own mother from being queen mother because she had made a horrid image as an Asherah. And Asa cut down the horrid image and burned it at the Burk Kidron. And it says, but the high places were not taken away. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was wholly devoted to the Lord all his days. And he did many good things. But here is why Hanani was sent to Asa. In chapter 16, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jehu, the son of Hanani, against Baasha, saying, Inasmuch as I have exalted you from the dust and made you leader over my people, you have walked in the way of Jeroboam, and have made my people Israel sin, provoking me to anger with their sins. Behold, I will consume Baasha and his house, and I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Anyone of Basha who dies in the city, the dogs will eat. And anyone of his who dies in the field, the birds of the heavens will eat. Now the rest of the acts of Basha, did he not, or what did and his might are they not written, are, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? And then it talks about how, again, in First Kings, how Asa became king. But if we look at that, this time period, we see that there is a divided kingdom. And as the Lord was talk, speaking to me about this, it looks, and one could argue, very much like the U.S. right now, where there is a division of people that yes, we have been speaking about the Lord separating those that are his from those that aren't. It's not unlike the kingdoms at this time. There was the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. And one kingdom, while far from perfect, had a heart towards the Lord. While the other kingdom was in opposition to the Lord and actually wanted to worship false gods and false idols. Jeroboam was known for setting up two golden calves and putting one in Bethel and one in Dan and telling the people to go worship them. But yet, then you had those in Judah whose heart was towards the Lord. However, this is where the refining comes in. 
as we just read, he did not remove those things that ultimately made people fall, not fully. He took down some of the ones in his house, but not the ones that were throughout the land for the people, which is of the utmost importance. Because in what we first read in in 2 Chronicles 16, he is upset with the word of the Lord brought to him by Hanani. And he did not and appreciate that word because he had already not listened to the first word where the Lord said, I'm giving this over to you. But instead, if you study it out, he made a treaty. Because he put his trust in the man, not in the Lord, who had already proven himself to him. And now the Lord was fixing that, was admonishing his servant. But then you see his response, which confirms what the Lord said, a little leaven leavens the whole loaf or the whole loaf of bread. Not only did he throw Hanani, what appears to be Jehu's father in prison, it says he also oppressed some of the people at the same time. And then he passed. And Asa's son Jehoshaphat takes the throne. And it talks about his good reign. This is in chapter 17, verse 3. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father David's earlier days and did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father, followed his commandments, and did not act as Israel did, that is the kingdom of Israel. So the Lord established the kingdom in his control. So, As we were said at the beginning, it's our relationship with God that determines our outcome. Now I bring this up because during this period of time, as we stated, it was, it was extremely volatile. If we studied out both in the Kings and the Chronicles, there are, there's a many, or a, there's a turnover, a great turnover of the number of Kings during this time period one slaughtering another or uh, while they're drunk or whatever the case is. Each one trying to rise up in their own place. But it's the Lord that establishes. Now, I also have to point this out because it is of the utmost importance. It's not the kings during this time period that led the nation astray. They were appointed as leaders of the nation. But it is the people and their relationship with the Lord. Throughout Scripture, the Lord tells His people. And I'm speaking of Israel, the nation, but also of Israel with those that were once 
I'll say, of the Gentiles that have been grafted in and are now part of the seed of Abraham and the family of God as brothers and sisters in Christ. That it is, well, we oftentimes have looked for leaders to steer and direct a nation. But the Lord has said that he will give the people leaders after their own hearts. And if the people has a heart towards the Lord and are about his righteousness, then they will have righteous leaders. But if the people's heart is intent on wickedness, then the Lord will appoint leaders that reflect that as well, that are concerned with self and not the people. Not We have had it backwards. I'll say we as a nation, as the United States, and we've often looked and attempted to, through natural means, appoint leaders that by all estimation, appeared on the surface to be righteous, that said the right things, the buzzwords, the catchphrases, that quote-unquote spoke Christianese, terms that you would hear in the church or the synagogue. And we said, okay, that's, that has to be the one. But that wasn't who the Lord approved or wanted. We never consulted the Lord. Excuse me. We never consulted the Lord on his choice and whom he would choose. Because he knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what he said about David, who we have had mentioned here multiple times. That... David was a man after his own heart. And we know through our pattern example, Jesus, being pleasing to the Lord was his driving force, his desire, his delight, was that the Lord and his heavenly Father be pleased with him. So shouldn't that be our, he is our pattern example, but shouldn't that be how we approach the Lord and every area and aspect of life? Now, I know some may be questioning the, well, why wouldn't the leaders be the ones responsible? And that's a great question. But we all have a choice in a relationship or should have a relationship with the Lord for ourselves. The people, even in this this period of time that we're reading about, they can't stand with at the judgment their leader and say, well, it's his fault or her fault. In this case, biblically, there were men that were kings. They can't stand behind them and say, well, they left stumbling blocks that ensnared people. They legislated for laws that were in opposition to the Lord. It is dependent upon the people. And you see this throughout Scripture, actually. If we go to the book of Jonah, and I bring up Jonah for 
two points. One, because also at this time period that we are beginning to go into and discuss in Kings and Chronicles, there's a great many prophets that the Lord sends to the kings, but also to the people. We, we tend to hold them in, in, as a natural way to per, or perspective of things in high esteem and regard because they spoke to kings and the leaders, the rulers of the day. But let's not forget that they were first sent to the people and they came from the people and were used by the Lord to speak to kings, to help reshape a nation. But it was dependent upon the people. Now again, I bring up Jonah because in the same way Jonah was sent to a people who weren't, if you will, the Lord's. They did not, or were not part of the covenant with the Lord. You could argue that they did not know his ways. And it was for that reason that Jonah didn't want to go. And after being in the belly of the the big fish, that in chapter 3 it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim it to the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. And says, Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. Then Jonah began to go through the city, one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And then here's the key. Here's the beginning of the key. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. He issued a proclamation and said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water, but both man and beast must be covered in sackcloth. And let men call on God earnestly, that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. And when God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So we see right there in that example, it wasn't the king who led the charge. It was the people. the quote-unquote common people, the citizens of that nation, of that land, of that kingdom, they believed in the Lord for themselves. And they began repenting. And clearly it grew. The Lord moved upon all the people and eventually it reached the king. How is that any different from I'll say this nation, the United States of America. 
Is this not a a nation that is by the people, for the people, or for the people, by the people? It's the people that are supposed to be in charge, that appoint leaders, that follow after the dictates of their heart, hearts that should be towards the Lord. But you see, even in what we read there in Nineveh, concerning Nineveh, it says that they turned away or turned from their wicked way. They put those things aside from them. Now, yes, eventually they forgot. They forgot those ways and what they did in the future generations. I believe you studied it was approximately 100 years later that they were consumed. Which also demonstrates that every generation must cling to the Lord for themselves. Every individual from every generation must choose to cling to the Lord for themselves. We're going back to what we were reading in Second Chronicles. And this has been the the issue all the way around. Asa looked at the prophet as though the prophet controlled God. Not that God had say. And he's in control. And he spoke to the prophet. And as a result, you saw Asa intend to punish the people. It's an incorrect perspective to think that people control the Lord and that one prophet or one individual over another has control (laughs) over God. Nor do our leaders. It is each one, if you will, I don't want to say for themselves, but each one if you will, must enter into their own relationship with the Lord and serve Him wholly and allow Him to refine us, to, to have us become, become conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus the Christ, in our lives. And, you know, and after Asa's time, His son Jehoshaphat became king. And as we just read, the Lord said he followed after him. But he also made some mistakes. 1 Kings chapter 22 says this in verse 41, beginning of verse 41. Now Jehoshaphat, the son of Asa, became king over Judah in the fourth year of Ahab, king of Israel. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he became king, and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. In verse 43, it says, He walked in the way of Asa his father. He did not turn aside from it, doing right in the sight of the Lord. However, the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. 
Jehoshaphat also made peace with the king of Israel. And you read about that in first in Second Chronicles chapter 18. The Lord did, or Jehoshaphat, did all these wonderful things for the Lord, but also for the people. It demonstrated his love for the Lord and his love for the people of God. And as we have been saying here for the last few weeks, that we need to choose the Lord fully and allow him to refine us, to remove those things in our life that don't reflect his nature, character, and attributes. That ultimately, that refining allows us to experience in the same way, blessings and his, his immense favor and grace and mercy and glory poured out over us in the same way, a similar way, as when he just rains out his blessings upon us. It produces the same things in our lives from a different aspect or approach. But it is necessary for our lives as opposed to just leaving the dross on the top, never scraping it off. Let's ensure that we don't allow those impurities to remain. That's the whole reason why Job could say, should we not receive the blessings from the Lord and not, well, he, he incorrectly stated his wrath. He incorrectly stated it because he didn't know that the devil or Satan, the adversary, had asked essentially to sift Job as wheat. But in this was also a refining for Job. He learned, he grew in the Lord, in the spiritual things. It's also the same reason why Paul says, hey, let's rejoice in trials and tribulations. Paul also understood it's a refining, as the Apostle Paul understood it's a refining. And that refining allows us to be more like our Lord, who, yes, because he loved the Lord. He loved his Heavenly Father. He did what he commanded him. He did what he commanded him to do because he trusted him and his outcome, that it was perfect. So he put his hope in his heavenly father. He did not trust what man said or any other treaties. He just trusted the word of his father. And he only said the things his father did and did the things he saw his father do. Absolutely nothing of his own initiative, but only as he was commanded. Let us become more like Christ. Let us develop our relationship with him to a more personal, deep, and intimate relationship with our God and Father, our Heavenly Father, because it is that relationship that will determine our outcome, both for our personal life, but also for the life of the nation, our nation here for the United States, but you for your nation, whether that be here or wherever you are in the world, wherever you are from, 
whatever nation you call your nation. So we're going to pause there for this episode of Matters of Life. And we will continue this next week from the same place in Second Chronicles because there are many more lessons that we need to get out of this. Also understanding the period of time that we are in and the people that the Lord has already set up that are functioning, operating in the way the Lord intended for them to do for our benefit and His glory. So thank you all for joining us. I encourage you to keep pressing on in the Lord. And thank you for standing for Him and His righteousness and justice here on the earth. God bless you. Love you. Have a wonderful evening.